the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast, where every week we speak to experts, leaders, innovators and game changers, and we look at how we can improve our industry, whether that's your business or your health. And today, we're looking a little bit more at health, but obviously that has an impact on business as well. But before we dive into that, first of all, what I'd like you to do is go and check out the new Instructor Podcast website. Go and look at theinstructorpodcast.com. I'll repeat that again, theinstructorpodcast.com. As always, there'll be a link in the show notes and on social media and all that kind of stuff. But I'd love you to go check out and give me some feedback on that and let me know what you think, if you think it's beneficial. Over there, you'll find like guest profiles. So anyone you hear on the show, you'll be able to go and find out and go get links to them and find out more about them. As well as that, there'll be blogs going up. There's uh, episodes that are highlighted every month to, to, to episodes that have had a big impact, if you like. So, yeah, a whole host of stuff over there. I'd love you to go check it out with me and provide you with, provide me even, with some feedback. As for today's show, uh, I'm joined by Richard Morley. Now, Rich is a... Uh, a world-class Tai Chi expert instructor. He's also a breathwork expert. He deals with meditation, all that kind of stuff. And we have some fascinating conversation with some wonderful, wonderful tips how we can be healthier as instructors. The main one, my big takeaway, was all about posture and how in the car we, we just sat almost in a crunched-up position all day and what we can do to actually improve that and then be healthier and deliver better lessons, I suppose, as a result. So, as always, I hope you enjoy the show. I'd love a little bit of feedback so let me know how you think about the show. Let's get stuck in. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, every week where we talk to experts, innovators, leaders, and indeed game changers. Uh, today I am joined by an expert of many things, Rich Morley. How are you today, Rich? Hello there, Terry. I'm pretty good. How are you, mate? I'm great. And it's great to have you on. Now, you're an, I say an expert in many things, an expert in uh, things like Tai Chi and meditation, um, yeah. breath work. Yeah, also Qigong. Uh, Qigong, I know. Yeah, <laughs> special Chinese health exercises, um, longevity, well-being, all of gonna... as well. I'm going to write that down so I can make a note to come back to it. I have no idea how to spell it, so I'll do that <laughs> phonetically. Um, but what I like to do is ask all my guests to start off by introducing themselves. So if you could tell us a, a bit about yourself, a bit about your background and what you're up to now. Okay, okay. Well, hello, I'm Rich, as you've probably guessed by now, everybody. I am uh, Nowadays, I'm an international-level uh, Tai Chi instructor. Um but originally, um, 21 years ago or so, I was medically retired from a job. I'd been ill for 15 years. Um, I was on sickness benefits, drinking loads, on loads of medication from illness. I think I was in the way into a wheelchair. And then um, my friend convinced me to go to a Tai Chi class. Now, most people think Tai Chi is just for older people. Just some slow moving around action keeps you moving. But uh, Tai Chi is actually the highest level of martial art, and it's only been watered down over the years. But fortunately, some people still understand what it is. And I got to go to a class with someone who knew what we we're talking about. Unfortunately, I went to my first class, walked in, saw this Chinese gentleman um, in the corner chatting to someone. So I went over, didn't really know what to do. So I sort of half-assed bowed at him and introduced myself. <laughs> and and he, seemed to, he seemed a bit off-put by that. And I was like, oh, he didn't seem very... Uh, liking of me and his class and then uh, so I stood to one side and then two minutes later a white dude called Colin came in who was actually the teacher <laughs> of the class the other guy was a Chinese a chef from a Chinese restaurant so uh, yeah I used to have an incredible agony all the time my body would seize up when I was at university I couldn't use my hands anymore I had to have a scribe um, to write my exams out for me I had to do my exams a year later and I was in the right old state so with Tai Chi, I uh, persevered a little bit at a time and I started to feel a tiny bit better after my first class. So I just kept going and going and going. Eventually, uh, as I say, I trained up, became an instructor, started first working with older people, working in um, various settings medically and stuff. I taught uh, staff at St. James's Teaching Hospital in Leeds. 
Um, then I went on and ran the UK's first stroke uh, rehabilitation study for the NHS in conjunction with Huddersfield University. Um, I became a gold medal winning champion. I wrote three books on the subject of Tai Chi. So, yeah, I studied Tai Chi with various grandmasters and masters around the world and other internal martial arts. And um, got to the point where I'm at now, where I'm in the top percent of the country, which is really super weird because I only wanted to get better. And eventually my teacher, who was really recognised the top of the country, started coming to me for lessons. So I knew I'd really <laughs> done something right at that point. So since then, as I say, nowadays I worked in helping people who are ill, recovering from brain injuries and all sorts of stuff in the past. In these past few years, I've worked in the realms of helping business owners to supercharge themselves, bring them back from their brink of ill health, um, and I help people deal with the stress problems, uh, energy problems, and health. Yeah, I mean, the reason I brought you on sort of initially was to sort of speak around, because now you do a lot around breath work and meditation, yeah, that side as well. well. So to speak about that, uh, and also to speak a little bit about instructor health, because, you know, we spend all day cooped up inside a car. But oh, yeah. before we kind of get onto that, I'm fascinated by this the, the Tai Chi stuff. Um, okay. I think I would have been like you going in that classroom that first day. You spot the person that looks like the uh, sort of <laughs> yeah, Chinese yeah. descent and assume that's who's taking the class. But when when you talk about kind of being that top percentile of, of, of Tai Chi instructors, what... What does that entail? You know, what do you have to do to get to that level? And what does it entail to be at that level? Well, to be at that level, in, in the country now, we've got a standardised grading system, which we never used to have. So the top instructors in the country now are called senior level instructors. And they've all had to have been training for 20 years or more. But um, I jumped into that a little bit sooner. I, I, I got a little upset because I realised I was a lot better than a lot of the people. So I put out an open challenge. I said to the people from Tai Chi Unit, you can send anybody to me. I'll, I'll talk about Tai Chi at any level and I, I'll demonstrate by knocking anyone down who comes to see me if you don't believe that I've got <laughs> a higher level skill than them. So essentially it means that you understand Tai Chi to the level where you can teach at, at any level. But higher level Tai Chi, yeah, to get into international standard like I am, you have to be able to demonstrate the... Uh, the crazier aspects of it, like you've seen some of the stuff with my videos where I'm standing on one foot and I have a rugby player come running at me from 10 feet and he just comes to a dead stop when he connects with me, you know, throw somebody across the floor with one finger without moving. All demonstrations, you've got real true internal power. Because so as I said, with Tai Chi, it used to be the uh, elite martial art of the Chinese royal families, imperial bodyguards. So it was only taught to the best of the best and was so secretive. And it, it's only like with the fall of China uh, and then um, people not really needing the people who could kill you with one touch or anything or make you stick to them or do all the other crazy stuff that it, it started to get watered down because everyone sort of realised how good it was for health. So in China, the Tai Chi masters in the 30s started like charging loads of gold because they all lived into the 90s when people mainly died in the early 30s in China. So... It got watered down and watered down, and, and in the 60s, it became more popularized. All the hippies started taking it up, and that's what we've got today is like 99% of all instructors are teaching wavy arms dancing, which is good for you. I'm not saying it's slow, it's meditative, it's good, mainly done by all other people, but we, we at the top level have to be able to teach all levels, so that's the elite kung fu stuff, the, the super health stuff, the mind stuff. And the internal al alchemy stuff, because Tai Chi gives you longevity and super, essentially you've seen it, it's all like superpowers, isn't it? But you don't get sick like other people, you don't age like other people, then you go through life full of energy and, and super peppy. So high-level high stuff involves being able to do all of that stuff. I'm able to put your energy out through a sword and stuff, throw somebody away who's holding on a stick, you know, I can make people not just stick to me, I can launch people through a room, through an object they're holding in their fingers. I mean, yeah, for anyone that is listening, go and check out uh, Rich's YouTube channel. Um, there'll be a link in the, the show notes. But yeah, like you mentioned the one that sticks in my head, the, the rugby player running at you, and you're all stood on one leg, and you just kind of stop him in his tracks. I can't get uh, my head around that, because I the automatic assumption is, well, that's video shopped. But you know, yeah. I know it's not, but I mean... <laughs> How does that work? Just from you know, from someone who has no idea 
All right. From a perspective of that one, because I do a few different things. At one point, I put what's known as my intention through his arms and out his back so his power can't leave his body. In another one, I stand on one foot while he pushes on one hand as hard as possible while standing there. And you can see him straining. Yeah. And he falls forward when I pull my hand away. So you can see all of that. The one where I've been talking about posture a fair bit on Facebook this past week or so because it's so important for everybody. And it's something that people don't realise is, is so important to their health. You know, bad posture leads to many, many aches and pains, but it's also incredibly bad for you, causing cancer from compressing, sitting down badly and compressing your intestines to heart problems, circulation problems, uh, breathing issues, lots and lots and lots of things. So when I first started, I was like a hunchback in Notre Dame, quite frankly. You know, I couldn't stand upright. I tried to sit upright in a chair. After my first class, I sat upright, tried to sit upright in a chair to see how long I could sit up without slumping against something. And I managed 30 seconds. You can see how bad my muscle development was and the state I was in there. So posture is so important. In Tai Chi, we develop a thing called magnificent posture, as they say. But what's happening in that video is because um, I've trained over time with the stuff called um, Jam Jong or post-standing, which trains energy, power through standing still, but certain practices internally and, correct, and postural principles when I'm stood on one leg and runs at me, I've got all these postural principles in my body, but my body is clear to power. So essentially what happened there was I took his energy in, which is going straight forwards, transmuted it, and took all the power out of him. So it just went away. Yeah. In another situation, I can direct it straight to the ground. So it comes in horizontally, but I direct it straight down vertically into the ground. And because there's nothing... I don't have the stresses, strains, and holdings and tension that everybody has, like body armoring from, like young, Kyle Gustav Jung called it, from injuries or from emotional problems. So we all hold, and we all model other people, so we use our bodies incorrectly throughout our lives. We use the stabilizer muscles for moving and movement muscles for stabilizing. So when you're clear, then one, power can leave my body and not get stuck in it in any way. But two, I could take power through, straight through me like I'm doing when he's pushing on me and I'm stood on one foot rather than hua or neutralizing his force like when he ran at me. When he's pushing on one hand, I'm stood on one foot. I'm sending his power straight down to the floor and it feels to him like he's just pushing on the floor but he's just pushing on my hand. It, I mean, look, I'm playing devil's advocate slightly here because, uh, um, you know, I love all this stuff. but. Uh, yeah. You know, I think when you first say it, or someone that's not maybe heard what you're talking about before, yeah. it almost just sounds a bit woo-woo, a bit wishy-washy. You know, well, what would, sure. how would you respond to that? You know, someone that was brand new and a naysayer almost, and just almost dismissing what you're saying. I, I recommend people come and see me, Terry. I have, an open, <laughs> I have an open challenge out, not to fight people. Well, that's what we used to do in the past. We put thing we put a letter in newspaper every Sunday in China and go, anybody wants to come see me this Sunday, come on my house and I'll prove that, that my kung fu is better than yours. What I say is anything I ever demonstrate in any of my videos, if anybody comes to see me, I can demonstrate anything I've ever shown in one of them videos accurately on them. You know, I've had lots of naysayers in past, Terry. You know, I mean, one, I mean, I've met a few Super League rugby players in the past, you know. And um, I've thrown them very around very handily. <laughs> but like um, I had the, I won't name the guy of the team, but I had the captain of one of the top Super League teams come one time to see me. And he thought it, it, it was when I it was years ago when I still taught public classes and stuff. And to be fair, I still I taught a lot of older people in those days. But he came in going, yeah, I've just come to old, an old person's class and it's a bit relaxing. I went, well, it's highest level of martial art. It's not just all that. And he like laughed at me. <laughs> so I couldn't really throw him around in, um, in that sort of really. So what I did was I did a few demonstrations. So I walked around the class to see people and what they were up to as I taught them individually and stuff. First time I did that thing where I stood on one foot and got him to push on my hand as hard as possible. And he got a bit upset that, Nothing was happening to him. He was like lightning <laughs> stone of pure muscle. So like, later on he's like, let me have another go at that. And I went, tell you what, let, let, let's do something different this time. So I said, push on both hands. So he pushed on both hands as hard as he could. And then I, I stepped around my hands. So there was no, 
nothing behind my hands for a force. And I look, I'm stepping, where's your power going? And that upset him. <laughs> then I put, told him to push on one hand, yeah? And then I got to, yeah. So then I stood on one foot going to push on one hand again. Like I said, it was rooting, but I can do really odd stuff, Terry. So I started hopping up and, it looks a bit <laughs> silly, but I started hopping up and down so it can't be travelling to the floor because it still feels the same when you push it on the hand. And then I was hopping past my hand, so there was nothing behind my hand, and he's pushing on my hand as hard as possible. So the third time I came round, he went, let me have another go at pushing on both hands. And this Super League player put his foot up on the wall and tried to lever through <laughs> me like that because he couldn't do it. And then he failed then, and I just walked off laughing, and funnily enough, he never came back. Um. I mean that's brilliant. I mean, while you're saying that, I'm thinking now we should we should do like a, an instructor podcast special where I'll I'll whiz over to visit you. We'll record it and we'll record me attempting to do the same do stuff, it. and you can just humiliate me on camera. Yeah, I'm not far away. Come see me, Terry. It'll be fun. We'll, we'll arrange that. That sounds like fun. Do that, um, I, I wanted to ask you because um, obviously we're talking about Tai Chi there. Um, and we, you've kind of spoke about the martial arts side, but there's also, like you said, the slower side that's aimed at more movement and and that. What's the difference between that and yoga? And the reason I ask that is because I think generally people are probably more familiar with yoga. And also, personally, some I do a lot of yoga, so yeah. I'd be interested to know the difference. Well, um, yeah. Cheng Man Cheng, who was one of the famous teachers, I studied with his last in a door disciple, Grandmaster William C.C. Chen. He said... One of the major differences between Tai Chi and yoga is they're both very good for you, but if anyone tries to steal your yoga mat, you can knock them out. <laughs> but modern-day yoga, um, let's see. A lot of modern-day yoga is very good for you, but it, it's lost a lot of its original roots. So some of the original roots of Tai Chi and yoga, because the, the, the energy work and the health work comes from Taoist, the, let's say, the spiritual folk of China from their internal practices. And then at one point it got married with the final, finest of martial arts and we created a super martial art. But so it's lost a bit of it now. So Tai Chi's got all the, well, might not make you as flexible as, tai, as yoga, but it will make you changeable so you can change constantly and you're not stuck in anything. They're both great for your health, but Tai Chi will take you a lot further because there's a practice it builds health, it builds energy, it builds power, it builds resilience, and kicks and punches bounce off your body like with me. As you um, can see now, your audience might see it, but watch, watch me whack myself repeatedly in the solar plexus whilst talking to you, and you can see that nothing's happening, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Go all day, don't do anything. Everybody else will be like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yoga's good for you. I would say Tai Chi is better for you because it, it covers more ground. It does more for you. It's got varied breathing practices. It's got specific training practices. And there's a hell of a lot in it, which is exhausting. It's hard work. Real Tai Chi is a killer. Whereas, you know, the, the Tai Chi form where you see people moving around slowly, everyone in the West comes to class and goes, oh, yeah, I want to learn this form. But that's the highest level of stuff, and you needed to create what's known as the Tai Chi body or the Tai Chi creature, where kicks and punches bounce off you. That's running on a different system to everybody else. Before you could start to leave, lose, learn the movement forms because you're running the energy to make shape the form. So everyone's starting. Unfortunately, they end up with something. I use the analogy of like, you know, those wedding cakes you see in wedding cake shop windows. They look yeah. beautiful. But there's nothing on the inside of them because it's made out of cardboard or whatever. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's what most Tai Chi is, especially modern day Tai Chi. Looks graceful and beautiful on the outside, but there's no substance on the inside. And Tai Chi is an internal art specifically because it's got all of this in form in it. That makes sense. It's interesting as well. I mean, would, we were speaking before we started recording about me coming and doing some work with you next yes. year. And do you think that like there's a way to combine the two? Because I do quite enjoy yoga. Do you reckon it'll be worth continuing that whilst doing some Tai Chi? Or yes. Yeah. Certainly, certainly. There's a lot of great benefits to be got from yoga. Certainly, certainly so. It, um, and an ideal pairing. Cool. You know, getting the movement capacity as well as, as the stillness. Um, one of the other things you mentioned there a few times, you spoke about posture and how important yes, posture is. Uh, mm -hmm. As driving instructors, 
we yes. spend a lot of time probably in a really, really bad position and posture. You yeah, know, we, yeah. we crammed up in a car two hours a time, potentially longer, potentially six, eight hours a day, you know, well, often longer if we're driving from lesson to lesson and so yes. forth. What effect, yeah, two-part question, what effect could that have on us, our bodies, our, our well-being, if you like, and then what could we do about that? Right. Uh, yeah, it can have lots of deleterious effects. As I pointed out, the worst case scenario, because you sat down so much. And I wrote about this yesterday because we've got this sitting down culture now, Terry. People sit down, drive to work, sit down, drive to somewhere else, they sit down for the leisure, they sit down for the work, hunched over a laptop and stuff. It's incredibly bad for you. Yeah. But, but you find it with lorry drivers now, or we don't have that many of them. A lot of them are getting bowel cancer because they're con- compressing the bowels and inter- the intestines all the time. And it really, you know, it's a real problem. Also, circulatory issues because your blood's pooling in your feet. I don't want to be too down on all of this, but sitting down is right bad for you. So as someone who sits down for a living, let's say, as you do, yeah, what, what you really, you know, so the, the health problems are, yeah. Skeletal problems, yeah. Sitting down all the time, your vertebrae are compressing on each other, and in bad posture, that causes uh, the discs to bulge. Then, um, so it comes out, then they start to grate upon each other. You get degradation, you get nervous system issues, yeah. Um, as I say, breathing problems because you've got not getting enough oxygen in because you're compressing your chest if you sat looking over and hunched. So being as upright as possible whilst sitting, I recommend for all drivers, certainly. It can't but help because everything works better if we're more open and upright. But what I really recommend is in beforehand, doing a bit of uh, joint opening, stretching and loosening, which doesn't take very long, but it will really help. And in between sessions, you know, even if you just get out of the car for two minutes, shake out your arms, shake out your legs, kick your legs around a bit, you know what I mean? Some of that stuff, it's just getting your circulation going, freeing your body back up and getting your back in, in a better form. I've just created a, a lead magnet from going to start getting an email list together, which is, and it's called the Wake Up Call. I'll send you a copy of it. But it's a, a, a system that in only, well, say, takes exactly two minutes. Say you're right, sleepy or tired, you're working really hard, wakes your nervous system up, wakes your body up, wakes your mind straight back up again. So that's really valuable. But yeah, all another instructors, get out of your car, move around for a bit. It's very tempting to like, oh, I've got this client, I've got that, I'm driving there now. Take five minutes to stand up, un- unscrunch yourself, stretch. Might look a bit silly stretching outside of your car, but it's doing so much for your health as to be unbelievable to try to counteract the problems of sitting down too long. No, uh, you're right, it does look silly because it's something I do in Morrison's car park between yeah, lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it makes a difference. I mean, uh, it was, um, I've said this on the show before, but I, I changed the way I, I do my lesson or the, the gap in between lessons. I used to make the gap as short as possible. Yes. And, and now I'll make it almost as long as possible because uh, I want to get that 20 minutes to half an hour where I'm not thinking about lessons. And like you said, get out yeah. of the car, have a little stretch, feel the breeze. And, and yeah, I look a bit daft sometimes outside at car, but I'll tell you what, I, don't, I feel better on next lesson for it. Well, of course, you're going to be in a better, better shape for it. You're, you're going to be more on it because you're not like, as again, when we're sitting down, it, it puts us in a right rest mode a little, and that's stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system, putting you in the right rest and digest mode. Although it might be quite stressful, you might be quite awake because you've got <laughs> yeah. learners and stuff. Still, you're not going to be as on it as if you'd woken yourself up. Again, I would recommend some breathing. I know we're going to talk about some breathing, but breathing is so important. And just even not knowing any breathing practices, but taking some deep breaths once you get out of the car, as long as it's not side of a motorway and shit, you know. <laughs> get some deep breaths in while standing up so everything's not compressed. That'll oxygenate your system and get everything lively and working again. So again, you'll be in best state, as you said, to do your job at the best of your capability. Yeah, and I think you know it's an important part, important point you make about breathing because it's something I used to forget, and that sounds silly, but you forget to breathe. You know, mm-hmm. you 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 breathing just something you do natural. You don't think about it, yeah, but you know, whether it's on a lesson or you're in a stressful situation, you you forget about your breathing, and sometimes you then you'll suddenly 
I am brief for a second and I have to start taking some breaths. How important is it to be able to control the way you breathe, do you think? Very. Posture, which we've talked about, is so underthought of by people as a health practice in itself, but everything relies on that, you know, as I said, <clears throat> breathing. Most people, again, like with the movement and with the standing, people have modelled the people they've grown up with, so model the parents and model whoever. We're all born breathing correctly, deep diaphragmatic breathing. The belly goes in and out. It opens the lungs up. As it goes it out, creates negative pressure, pulls the air into the lungs. As it stretches down, as the diaphragm boils back up, closes the lungs, squeezes all the toxins and CO2, getting rid of the waste products out. But it's so important for mood and everything else. So if we're um, most people, again, we think we're, we're supposed to breathe in a costal, you're just breathing in your chest, and you see people breathing in a chest, moving like that, and that's what we model. And eventually, you see people breathing like that. So one, people are taking at least a third less possible oxygen in by that. But what they don't also realize is because you know when you said you stop breathing, yeah. often if you pause and don't breathe that's when you're like a little stressed or anxious yeah and of course when we're not when we're doing that then we become a self-fulfilling prophecy because what people don't realize is <clears throat> that one of your diaphragm's jobs is to send apart from helping you to breathe is to send messages to your brain about the state you're in yeah so because we um, have the fight or flight or freeze response within us when we breathe rapidly and if you're breathing into your chest by, yeah, you're naturally busy breathing into your chest. You're taking in less oxygen, but you're breathing more rapidly. And that sends messages in your diaphragm's doing this. It's still going, even in your chest. It sends messages to your brain that you're in a fight or flight situation. Yeah. So your brain readies you for, for action. So it's dumping cortisol into your system. It's dumping adrenaline. It's dumping noradrenaline into your brain. And it, it's putting you into a stressor state, even though you're not perhaps not stressed, perhaps because you didn't know how to breathe more like that. And because you tense, because you're breathing with your chest and say you are someone who's anxious, let's say, then they start to co-opt the chest muscles and the neck muscles, the accessory muscles into the breathing. This all sends more messages to the brain that you're in a stressful situation and you become your own self-fulfilling prophecy of stress. I'm a stressed, I'm tense, I'm stressed, I'm anxious. <laughs> And then it makes you more and more, and people don't realize it. So even just learning how to breathe properly again, game-changing for people. So it's immediately going to allow your body, because all your systems rely on oxygen. Yeah? A lot of them rely on CO2. People don't realize this. I think it's just a waste product, but that's important too. But if you're not getting that shit in there, then you're not getting the benefits for the rest of your body. Yeah. If you're breathing more slowly, by dint of the fact you're having to take more of a breath in because you're breathing lower, then it calms things down so you're not in a hyper-stress state also. Again, I think that's that's really interesting. It's something that I've done a little bit of with the, the yoga side of it. And it's something that, again, I'm 39 now when I dismissed this for 38 years. You know, yeah. you just assume that you're breathing. That's all you need yeah. to do. But right. there's... There's times where, you know, if I have a bit of time between lessons or if I'm at home and I just want to unwind, I'll put my phone in airplane mode. And mm -hmm. it's not necessarily meditation, but I'll just sit down for a couple minutes and breathe the way you've described into my stomach. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because all of a sudden you just start to feel better. Yes. Just because of the way you – and this is me doing it with no training or anything. It's just yeah, – yeah. and I think – how good is that going to feel if I get like proper training to do it? But it, it is just breathing into your stomach just for a few minutes and relaxing about it. just makes you feel a hell of a lot better, which is crazy when you think about it. Yes, yes. It, it's it's changing around. When, when you're aroused, your sympathetic nervous system super aroused and jangly. And then all these stress chemicals. So slowing and deepening your breath without learning any of the techniques. I've got shit tons of techniques for, for martial arts, for health, for meditation, all this sort of thing. But like, I've got four major ones I teach people to, well, four or five ones, a few for energy, a few for dropping rapidly, stopping that nervous system, calming it down, changing it or changing it over and rapidly stopping the chemicals so you can change like that and get into that mode. But just sitting quietly, calmly, Again, not having your phone near you because people 
if I can see the phone, there's a slight bit of interest in the phone. The brain can't stop. So you can't focus and you can't be totally calm. You can't be totally relaxed because there's that little bit of anxiety about that. Put it in another room for five minutes, sit quietly, out of sight, out of mind, etc. So, yeah, when you sit and breathe deeply, then you're stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system, brain rest and digest mode. And what you said about the phone there really struck a chord with me because uh, I had a, a week off a couple of weeks ago and there was there was a day in particular where I decided just to switch my phone off I'm coming away from like phone, iPad, computer, everything for the entire day. So like Monday night I did it and then switched it back on Wednesday morning. And it was really weird because on one hand, I felt 10 times better. I felt free, you know, well, like I'm not a slave to this today. Uh-huh. But on the other, it was amazing how many times my brain went to go for my phone or pick it up. It's quite, yeah. it's quite scary when you think about it. It is, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a habit. It's habituated in there, and they take time to break, and they take time to learn and build up. But you see these people now who suffer from anxiety if a phone's not near them at any time, and, and this connectivity feel to everybody, but they're still at one remove and distance from everybody, and they're living in a fantasy land. It's not yeah. reality. It's social media. It's connecting through a device. It's not walking outside looking at your garden. It's not being here and present in the room, is it? You're just somewhere else again. And exactly. that's one of the problems with, with that postural problem, that text neck, everybody's doing is get forward head posture. So everybody's doing this all the time. Everyone's standing for forward head posture. Again, collapsing your chest. Your head weighs like 14 pounds or something like that. Every inch of variance forward your head goes, doubles the load on your, on your lower back. So everybody's developing worse back problems, skeletal problems, circulation problems, again, through use of a phone. Just taking a brief pause in the show to say a big thank you all for listening. Really appreciate the support. If you want to support the show any further, you can always sign up for the Instructor Podcast Premium. I'm going to say a little bit about that more at the end of the show, so hang about there. But at the minute, we've just uploaded a brand new TED Talk over there, which is by a wonderful lady named Annie Gendron, whose surname I've just butchered. And she's doing a brilliant TED Talk on how to create courses. So whether you're looking to create a course for the theory test or to help parents teach their kids to drive or whatever it might be you go and sign up to instructor podcast premium then you can go and get the tes talk on that got a whole host of other materials over there as well and the best way for that for now is to go to instructorpodcast.com and go and look and get more details over there but yeah really appreciate your listening really appreciate your support and i'm going to shut up now and let you enjoy the rest of the episode I'd, I'd never even considered that. And I was talking to someone the other day about this because it's like me and you, uh, when we were, I mean, I don't know how old you are. I'm 39. So I think I got my first phone around about 18, 19. So I had all that youth with, with yeah, yeah. no phone. Whereas uh, the 17, 18, 19 year olds of today, they, they've been brought up with that. We've brought them up with that. You know, and I think it's a different world. That, oh, yeah. that's what they've grown up with. And yeah. I think what effect is it having on them when they've been doing that, you know, in some cases yeah. since yeah. being a toddler, you know. Yeah. We, no, to- totally. I, I'm going to say I speak to or see a lot of instructors online complaining about the youth. Of t- I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love them. I think they're great kids, everyone I work with. But yeah. I see them complaining about I think, well, we've brought this upon them. You know, yeah, and, yeah, and what yeah, impact yeah. must it have to their even just their attention span when they're on that phone all time? Very much, very much people's attention is is like that nowadays. You know, um, and that's that's the trouble. I brought we brought last one Gabriel up. We were very very conscious about what we did because we saw all this. So <clears throat> he didn't get a phone till he was fourteen, and then we just got the most basic phone possible just so he could ring us or text us, got a brick. Then, you know, also we didn't let him have, we let him have educational video games. He had an educational leap pad console and stuff, and he played a lot of educational games, but didn't let him have a PlayStation until he was like um, 15. Yeah. I mean, I, I regret. Yeah, he thanks us for it. Yeah. He's like, all his mates just go, oh, bloody hell, Gabriel, this and that. But 
the way he, we, we was brought up, he thanks us for that because he's had attention from us. But he, he you know, he's grown up without all of that, and it, it reflects in how he is nowadays. You know, and you get all that stuff with teenagers often, where it's all, oh man, teenagers, me, me, no, me daughter hates me. We've never had any of that shit with Gabe. It was amazing. We've just been all great friends all the way through. So there's a lot of benefits to it, mate. Yeah, I mean, I. I regret now letting uh, it's my stepson. I regret letting him have in uh, Xbox One. I did let him have it when he was younger than that, and he wasn't like super young, but <clears throat> I can't remember what age. But it was younger than that, and I think it, it can see the impact it's had on him negatively. I mean, don't get me wrong; I've nothing against people gaming at all. You know, well, I do it, but I think that we should have been, a, or at least more restricted with the times he had it. But either way. Um, I am just going to make it go on a slight tangent for a second and say I love talking to you because there was a moment before when um, he used a brilliant Chinese phrase and then followed it up with saying something along the lines of um, your body getting all hyper and jangly or something like that. And I love the different descriptive terms he used. But I want to come back to the breathing again for a second because... One of the things that, that obviously as in instructors we work with is, is learner drivers who have to go on a driving test and get very nervous. And with my limited knowledge, one thing I've always said to them is to breathe. And I've always said that when you, you know, on your test, they get you to pull up at side of road three or four times. And I'll say when they do, and then they say drive on, just say to the examiner, give me a second and just take a few deep breaths. Yeah, yeah. And it's always because they always ask for ask them how the test gone and stuff after, and they all say the same thing. The ones who actually do that actually manage to stay a bit calmer on the test. So, I think specifically for for us instructors, and in fact, as far as I say this, uh, you did come on an episode of my other podcast, the Five Minute Fear, and deliver mm-hmm. some some tips for for people who are driving tests there. So, any instructors listening, go check that out and send that to your students. But as instructors, what advice would you give to us to offer our students? when they've got a test coming up and to handling nerves and that side of it? Right, yeah. Well, I think in the run-up to test and then on test day, especially, the nerves are just going to keep building and building and building, aren't they? Yeah. So I'd recommend to instructors rather than just saying it on the day, um, do this, build them up into it, yeah? Give them the simple advice of just calming that stuff down. So when they start to feel anxious, recognising that, because we'll see, see it in themselves through negative self-talk or feelings or worry or a bit jittery, sweaty, you know what I mean? Looking at the theory or whatever it is. And just inculcate into them a simple process of breathing in and out through the nose. If you want to really relax, you can breathe out through the mouth. Slowing the breath down, but also breathing out for longer than they've breathed in. It's nice and simple. If you're breathing for a count of nine, then breathe out for a count of 12 or whatever the in-breath is. You know, it could be six. Do it for eight. Doesn't matter. Work with what they've got, but it's slowing it down, making it more mindful. One is taking, because they're forced to be mindful of something else rather than the test, we can take switch it off for a minute. And two, that will calm the, the mind down, but it'll also calm the system down and calm the nervous system down. It'll stop all the, the stuff because we're all shaking, nervous, because because of the hyperarousal of, of the sympathetic nervous system and because purely because there's adrenaline running around the system and cortisol, which will keep them on top of things, but you need to find that balance. So I think that they recommend uh, what a really good idea would be every time that they get in the car to begin with, with the student, but just get to take one minute to just do a few of that. Then it becomes a bit routine and habitual so that when they when they go and sit on the to do the test, we just do it automatically, and then that's not a worry to them. But all the while, they've built this um, safeguarding system up within themselves, and it's just so nice and simple. Just slow down your breathing, and then for whatever you breathe in, breathe out for a little bit longer. Make it more effective with like a little sighing breath out through the mouth. Again, that so activate the rest, so-called rest and digest mode within us. I think. I think that's really key, and I'm going to use myself as the the bad example here because I used to be really guilty of um, getting people to test, and then when they, you know, when we're at the test center before they're going, 
just saying, right, I've got some test tips for you. And I'll be like, right, okay, take some deep breaths now and do these. And, and it's like, you fire all this stuff up. And like you said, they've not been doing it previously. And I forget who I spoke to about it, but it, they phrase it in a way, it's like, well, I don't suddenly tell them to start checking the mirrors on test. I have them checking their mirrors right from day one. So uh-huh. I can be doing this from day one as well. Uh-huh. So like you just said, it comes natural to them on the test and not doing anything normal. I mean, don't get me wrong, still better than nothing giving them a bit of advice before the test. But yes. if you can incorporate that on that one minute, um, I, I had a lady on here on episode one of season two of this show called San Harper. And, and, and she deals with that like specifically for learners and, and uh, instructors. And yeah. she calls it a, a grounding session. Uh, at the start where she takes a minute or two of them and it, it, it makes a massive difference and and would you say that would be a similar thing for us instructors because as instructors there's obviously times on lessons where we might get stressed yeah. but also we get assessed as instructors where people sit in the back and watch us do you uh, think uh, uh, is that the similar sort of technique we can use yes certainly certainly anyone can use it if you want to calm calm them down themselves down you know, it, there's more in-depth stuff you can do if you're really in the midst of a panic attack anxiety or all that super stress shit. But, yeah, to keep on a more even keel so you don't get all of this coming up, yeah, utilise that. Everybody can use it. It's nice and simple and it works for everybody. If you've got lungs and you've got a nervous system, you're all good with that. <laughs> on that, again, I think it's the same principle for we're driving the instructor, so we, we want to make sure that we're doing the that repeatedly you know as i said with the the lessons with me i've changed it and i have the big gap in between so that i can unwind between lessons and now it's the rare exception when i don't have the big gap and and what i find is that's just reduced a massive amount of stress because there were times previously when I'd be late to a lesson because I'd be rushing from one to the other and, you know, you need to nip to the toilet or, or the other one, which is a classic one for instructors is that because we want to avoid going to the toilet, we don't drink during the day. Ah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but it's putting this in, these little things in place where we think it's going to have a negative impact because it's increasing the length of my day by an hour. Uh, uh, but in actual fact, it's making my life better. Yeah. Totally, it's like the new quality of life. You're getting sat down all day, you're all scrunched up, everything gets squashed. Yeah. Um, just standing up and getting outside of your car, just feel better. Plus, if you drive around again to country for two minutes, have a gaze out at some greenery and stuff, that all sorts to relax and calm you down. There's been loads of studies that just looking at some nature for a couple of minutes really helps. It, it's it's weird because it's something that I wouldn't used to admit, and I still feel myself almost um i almost feel silly saying it but like what you've said there when i'm driving down them country roads i've got time i pull over and get out because just looking at the sheep or the trees it genuinely just calms you down you know and coming home from me i come the long way now because i live in bailden and like the top of a big hill where moors are and i'll come over at Marsway so that i can pull up and just get out of the car for 10 minutes i'm not walking it's just that it's just scenic and beautiful and lovely yes. and you're not doing anything. You almost feel a bit silly for doing it, but that's a public perception. Isn't it? And it's just, uh, it is yeah, what it yeah. is. Um, also, I will tell you a really interesting thing about the human brain is that, you know, have you ever noticed if you're like driving in a uh, multi-story car park and you go down ramp and then there's usually a, a bit of concrete there and you sometimes find yourself duck. <laughs> yeah. Like that. That's cause our brain maps the car onto us. Right. Yeah? So when people like get really upset, somebody's driven too close to them, start screaming and shouting, it's because they felt personally threatened because they've got the car mapped onto them as the body. And that's right. why you duck. You think you're going to be hit, and that's part of the car and all of this. So getting out into another open expanse and out of your car changes your perception of everything all of a sudden, opens you back up and changes the way you are. That's just explained what I was trying to explain. <laughs> that was doing a really bad job. That explains it because you're in this little cooped up thing and yeah. that's, it's like an existential part of you. It's like yeah. your exoskeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get out of it and all of a sudden there's nothing. And it's just yeah. nice. The yeah. the one I feel more than the one you said is when you're going in a in a in between two cars and it's a little bit tight and I find myself squeezing up. Yeah. Completely, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's an unconscious thing because your brain's mapped it as you. The the other thing I wanted to touch on uh, just before I, I let you go was sort of the meditation side of it. 
that's had a big impact on me as well. Uh, and I started off by using apps. Uh, I used Calm and I'd use Headspace. And um, I still use them now sometimes, but I do a lot more meditation where it's just me. Yeah. Um, and anyone listening, by the way, I would recommend go out and start one of that. So, you know, it's, it's a nice, easy way into it. But I know this is something that I've worked with you on before in uh, yeah. another previous guest of this show, uh, Dino Tartaglia. Um, yeah. You did some work for him and I was in one of his groups. And so I'd just like it if you could just talk to us a little bit, a little bit about meditation, what the benefits are and, 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 and so on. All right. Well, again, much like the breathing and stuff, but on a deeper level, meditation works on a few things. It helps to calm you down, but it helps you center yourself within yourself. You know, we can see the world around us as a big, like, uh, imagine a world of, to some degrees, like, like a tornado. And it's all whirling about and it's busy and fucking crazy. But in the middle of a tornado, there's always that still point in there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what meditation gives you in the craziness of our world and the surroundingness of all of the things that are going on 24-7. It gives you that still point. It gives you a break from all of that. It allows you to access deeper aspects of yourself. It gives you an anchor in troublesome times. It helps you develop much better posture because generally <laughs> sitting upright and not collapsing yeah. in and shit like that. But you don't have to sit cross-legged in a lotus position, just sitting upright in a chair. You know, we're back on it, but nice and upright with your head bounced on your neck, shoulders balanced over the center of your hips, so your skeleton's holding you up so you can relax, so you're not holding those habitual tensions. And it's a slowing down of everything, a stilling, but then you can, as I said, access deeper parts of yourself. You learn to focus for longer and longer periods of time. So a lot of people think that, you know, there's different, well, lots of different types of meditation, not skills. From what, I'll just rewind slightly. You were saying about apps. Yeah, they're great, and it's great that they've got lots of people in there, but I really recommend that people develop it. If they want to meditate, develop a simple practice for themselves because then you've got it. If you run out of batteries or you lost your phone or you're in a stressful thing and you can't get to it and you don't know what to do without it, again, there's anxiety and stress caused by that. A simple little practice, even as simple as sitting down quietly in a darkened room, following your breath in through your nose and down into the center of your belly and back out. And then just counting even. That breathe full of a breath works. Breathing, counting one, one for each in and out breath. And just doing that, it just stills everything. And you come back to a clear and present state so you can be more in the moment as a meditator. They've done lots of um, we've done lots of MRI scans on meditators' brains and stuff, and the parts of your brain that deal with focus and attention are enlarged in those people. So you can focus for longer periods of time. You're calmer. You're on a more even keel, you know. And it works, and it can just get rid of all that tension and stress of the day. Meditators are found to live longer, be happier, more content in life. And it's just as simple as some of those practices done for five minutes even a day. Even three minutes is better than none. Yeah. So I highly recommend it to everybody. It doesn't have to be as complicated or worrisome as people might think it to be to get on board, you know what I mean? Because you always get on that thing, that thing where people go, oh, brilliant, I'm not thinking. Oh, shit, I'm thinking. Oh, no, I'm like, ah, I got that. <laughs> it's like if you've got like, um, you got a, yeah, so let's say you got a jar. Let's say you got a jam jar full of water and you throw some dirt into it, you put the lid on and you swirl it up and shake it about and the water's really turbulent and turbid and cloudy and everything's whirling around and unsettled and crazy. That's like most people's lives and minds. But if you sit that jar down and shaking it up, after time, all that shit will sink down to the bottom and leave the water clear and still. And that's like you and that's like your mind. Yeah? Yeah. But the kill is not to get to say thought and to be rid of it, it's to develop even more clear focus, more clear intention, bring that out into the rest of your world. Yeah. I think mean, a couple of sort of brief things on that. The one that I always, and I still notice now when I meditate is whenever I start, I'm like, how long has my jaw been clenched? You know, you'll be <laughs> sit there and there'll be something where it's 10 shoulders or my jaw clenches. Like, I've been like that 10 minutes. 
and then you unclench it and all of a sudden you start to feel better because like you say you're loosening and you're getting less tense yeah 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 um, and for anyone listening now, because I know us driving instructors can be a sceptical bunch sometimes, I think my suggestion would depend on the type of person you are. If you're someone that wants to ease in gently, go and get an app uh, and just use that because it's sort of five to ten minutes and they'll talk you through it. If you're yeah. someone that likes to sort of learn a bit more intense or likes to do a deep dive or go ahead first, go to someone like yourself, Richard, and, and you know, pay for some training and get that that more focused, intense training. Whereas if you go for the app first because you, you want to drip feed, you can always build up to that. Yeah, I think exactly. that depends on the person. And speaking of uh, coming to you for help, let's uh, let's give you an opportunity to tell us uh, what sort of services you do provide, provide and where people okay. can, in fact, find you. Okay, well, they can find me at my website, richmorley.com. Um, there, I'm just rebuilding that, so I've got a really nice page which gives you loads of information about me and some a few testimonials and stuff. I'm getting all the rest of the pages developed, so there's a little link on there though where people can um, look in for just a 15 minute chat with me to see how I can help them and stuff like that. You can find me on Facebook where I put most of my content out there. You find handy hints on on helping yourself with breathing or postural problems or whatever it might be. Uh, my tai, my Rich Molly Tai Chi channel on YouTube, which I updated for about four years. So my skills are even madder now. So I should put some new stuff on there. <laughs> and I am on LinkedIn, but I don't do too much on it. So I'm starting to get bored on there. And if anybody, anybody wants to email me, you can just email rich at richmorley.com. Those, well, those are the best ways to, to get in touch with me. Things I do nowadays, these, as things have changed over the past two years, I don't do as much in person as I used to do. So I do a lot of I do online stuff more, but I'm I'm open to doing a hybrid of that or whatever for people. But I teach one-off breathing sessions. If you want more energy in 60 minutes, I give you the keys to that. Teach you how to breathe properly, and I teach special techniques to massively lift your energy when you might need that. Or another session is to beat stress and anxiety, which teaches the techniques again, teach you how to breathe properly, which is what drives everything. And then specific techniques to affect your nervous system and affect chemicals and stress and get rid of all that shit. And then I do like four-week health, kick-ass health intensives where I teach people weekly. Uh, I do a thing called uh, Kick-Ass Man, which is a 100-day training where um, I rebuild your energy levels, supercharge your immune system and your health, give you calm, clear, focused mind, and give you superpowers. Not quite. You have to train a bit harder than that. <laughs> Then I teach the elite level Tai Chi stuff. And I've just invented a new thing called Gangster Kung Fu, <laughs> which is based upon building, uh, taking certain training methodologies from various internal martial arts and giving you much more greater power and effectiveness much more quickly than you might do if you were dealing with one of the more classical things like Tai Chi and stuff. So I've just got my first client training Gangster Kung Fu. He's loving it. And he'll have doubled his knockout power by the end of the year. <laughs> I think uh, what's his name? Anthony Joshua could do with that, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Um, gangster Kung Fu. Uh, what What do you reckon will be the best sort of entry point for people? Would it literally just to come for that 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 free fifteen minute chat you provide to discuss yeah, what's yeah, best yeah. for that person? Yeah, exactly. We just explore through things. People can tell me what perhaps the issues might might be. They might find out that it's not. Actually, what the thought they need from me is not what they need from me. It could be something else. So that's just a nice way in. They can always DM me on Facebook if I want to just have a, organize a chat. I've got my website booking like that or whatever. But it is a nice way. Plus, I recommend the other one of the breathing things for everybody because everybody needs to breathe better and everybody can do with more energy swiftly or more relaxation and stress freeness. Awesome. Uh, well, the last question I'm going to ask you before uh, I let you disappear is I have to ask everyone for a book recommendation. So if you're going to leave us with a, a book to read, what would it be? Well, I am a, I've got far too many books, a thousand. I just got rid of hundreds and I realised <laughs> that I had like an eight-foot bookcase and millions of books in various other bookcases. But like for people who want to improve their life and get some stuff done, I know you'd recommend this, is How to Be Fucking Awesome by Dan Meredith. <laughs> Dan's a very on it guy. I love Dan and his book's very cool for anybody who like wants to start to make a difference in the world, change the life for the better and do some better things with themselves. I recommend that or I recommend The Tai Chi Class by Rich Morley. It's the most comprehensive book on, on beginning to learn Tai Chi that was ever created. 
Um, yes, uh, I do uh, concur with you about Dan Meredith. You're the second person to recommend him this season. Um, so, yeah, make sure you, if you're listening, go check that out. And uh, I will definitely add uh, the, the, what was it, the, the Tai Chi? The Tai Chi class. The Tai Chi class. I'll add that to my oh. list as well. Um, yeah, cool. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate you joining us, Adirich. Uh, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure, Terry. It's been fun. So big thank you to Richard Morley there. Really enjoyed that chat and hopefully there's some stuff that you can try. I appreciate it might not all be for you, but hopefully you can find something that you can go away and practice and hopefully gain some benefit from. And the other thing I hope you noticed during that episode is I'm actually starting to get my voice back and I can speak properly and do proper intros and outros and actually get back to recording two episodes a week again, which I'm very much looking forward to. But I do just want to wrap up by talking a little bit about the Instructor Podcast Premium. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's essentially a subscription service where you can pay a tenner a month and you get loads of additional bonus content. So, for example, this month I've just put in the first ever TES Talk with a a wonderful lady named Annie Gendron, whose surname I've just butchered, by the way. And she's basically done a 25-minute TES Talk presentation based around how to make content for your course. Now, it's a, it's a wonderful presentation. So whether you're thinking of making a theory test course or a course to help 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 parents teach their kids, whatever it might be, it's a brilliant piece of content. As well as that, last month we had Ray Seagrave come on and we did the standards check checklist where we did a deep dive on the first competency of that. And then monthly going forward, as well, there's a whole host of bonus other content. So the six-hour live podcast that I did a few weeks back, that's being broken down into segments and being put into there. As well, I'm going through all the previous episodes and breaking them down into 20-minute sound bites. So rather than the, the usual hour to 90 minutes, I'm condensing it down into 20. So if you want to go back and re-listen, you've got that available. Plus, loads of more random bits go in as well. So be sure to go and check that out. If you want to find out more about it, head over to the instructorpodcast.com. That's a new website. You can find out everything you want about the Instructor Podcast Premium over there. That's instructorpodcast.com. But as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Any questions, any comments, any recommendations, please get in touch. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So the show has finished, but you are still here. So clearly you're a person of very wise mind capabilities. Um, and another person of very wise mind capabilities is Rich Morley, who's also hung about to indulge me with my seven quick fire questions. Thanks for hanging about, Rich. No worries, Terry. Are, are you ready for these ever intimidating seven questions? I am goddamn ready. <laughs> goddamn ready. Okay. First question, cat or dog? Uh, dog. Good choice. Second question. Table. What is your favourite book of all time? Ooh, that is too difficult for a bibliophile to take on board. I'm, I just have too many books and it would take far too much time for me to think what that book might possibly be. So unfortunately, I can name a billion, but I just, I just can't come up with one. Um, three Men in a Boat. By Jerome K. Jerome. It's a lovely, gentle comedy tale about three blokes who set out in a boat with a dog called Montmorency and go on an adventure, going down possibly the Thames, might be another river. I'm ready in a long time. But it's a wonderful book and it's got a lot of lessons about life in it. I love that. Um... You you did like a little monologue saying how you could name a book, and as soon as you finish, you name that book. <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, uh, I'm gonna I'll add that to my list as well. Um, okay, would you ever consider going vegan? Uh, no. Okay. What I've is your favorite? For a long time, most of the time, but mainly vegetarian for a long time. But yeah, I couldn't quite hack veganism. A bit too much. What is your favorite film of all time? 
again, oh, I went to film school and everything. I've seen far too many. I couldn't name lots of arty ones and lots of fancy ones. I'll say Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream Home, starring Cary Grant from about 1942. Never seen fantastic, it. Fantastic comedy. Black and white puzzle people off, but great, great film. Well, I'm now intrigued to see it. Okay, uh, slightly different one. Uh, obviously or not, if you were a driving instructor, what do you think you would call the people you worked with? Would it be students, customers, learners, pupils? What do you reckon you'd call them? Yeah, uh, generally because I'm a teacher, I'd probably go for pupils. Okay. Or students. Students. In fact, I go for students. I prefer to pupils. I was your first to your eyes otherwise. You're like, oh, pupils. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, what's your proudest achievement to date? Um, we're bringing up the best boy in the world. <laughs> Quite frankly, I, my dad wasn't really very there for me very much and, and stuff. I had strange upbringing as a child. And when I became a dad, I set out to be the best dad in the world and bring the best boy up in the world. My proudest achievement is that. It was proved to me when my son said to me when he was uh, seven years old, he said, Papa, you know Danny, the champion of the world's dad. And I went, yes, Gabe. He said, you're a better dad than he is. And I knew I'd won it. Can't get a better compliment than that. No, you really can't. Um, and then last one, give me one goal that you would like to achieve going forward. Levitation. <laughs> I can already levitate other people, Terry. It's just working on me. Well, you're the first person that's given that as the goal. I've had world domination, but I've not had levitation yet. So, all right. Well, thanks for giving us a few minute, few more minutes of your time there, Rich. No worries, dude.